What's going on guys? Welcome back to Progress Not Perfection. Today I was joined by my friend Daniel Rosenthal. You guys can find him on Instagram at Rosentrain. We talked about his fitness journey and how he got into the industry. We talked about how to put together daily habits for fat loss. A really cool topic, which I haven't really touched on much on this podcast, is sleep. We talked a ton about sleep. We also talked about why weight loss is 90% mindset. I think you guys are going to get a ton of value from this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. So So are we allowed to curse on this thing? We are allowed to curse, man. Say whatever the fuck you want. I'm just kidding. Fucking extra. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Daniel, man? This is the first time I've actually met you. Um as in person as this is um yeah yeah yeah, so so tell me a little bit about yourself like what is what is uh how did you get into the industry and uh and how did you get into fitness in the first place cool so i got into fitness well in my teens i was kind of like a skinny teenager so i started lifting weights on and off for a little while and then i went to college university and gained a bunch of weight um I also started smoking and just formed some really bad habits, um, which took me a few years to figure out. Um, and so, so the first thing I did was to quit smoking. And that took a few attempts, um, but I managed it. And then I don't know if you ever smoked before, but um, any oh, smokers yeah. listening to this will know that like, if you're smoking, you can't work out. Like, especially as many as cigarettes I was smoking, which was mm-hmm. two packs a day at one point. Damn. And you can't do anything. You can't do anything when you're smoking that much. So I quit smoking, which allowed me to then start moving, start exercising. Um, I then played around with nutrition, um, different styles of working out. And I eventually lost somewhere in the region of 40 pounds, I think, of body fat and built 20 to 25 pounds of muscle. Um and yeah, now I'm, I've like been helping clients do that for the last few years. And yeah, I got into fitness as in like in the industry um, in the beginning of 2017. So it's coming up um, five years in the, in the industry. And I just for the fun of it had got um, my personal personal trainer qualification through um, ISSA, um, the International Sports Sciences Association, just, just to have more knowledge of fitness. And that was it. And then I was teaching English in um, Korea at the time, and which is where I met my wife, who's Canadian, and we both live in, in Nova Scotia now in Canada. And we came to Toronto originally, and I kind of thought, you know what, while I kind of figure out exactly what I want to do, let me just go and get some personal training job. Like I never, ever considered personal training as a career. Just never thought about it. I didn't really think that you could be a personal trainer as a career. And I, now I know that I'm very, very wrong. And so I joined a team of like 30 trainers. I'm like, wow, these people are all fucking experts. Like every single one. I'm like, this is such a great opportunity. So I just spent like, you know, they, they, they educate you really well there. Um, managers were great. The people I worked with are great. There was none of the kind of like um, dog eat dog um environment that i hear are prevalent at so many other gyms so i was super fortunate in that case um had a really great time working there um then the pandemic hit um obviously almost two years ago and we all had to stop working because the gyms were all closed and they were remained closed for months and months and months and only briefly reopening and 
for about a year before the pandemic started, I'd been working on Instagram, just, just posting every single day, just slowly, slowly building. So I'd had a ton of practice on social media by the time all of the other trainers who could no longer work decided to start working on it. Um, and somehow it just like my, my account just grew and grew and grew for the last almost two years. So I think I started with something like, like three or 4,000 followers at the beginning of the pandemic, which is great. Like that's a, that's a nice small following. And somehow it's grown to, I think like 37,000 followers at this point. And like, I still don't really understand how the hell that's happened, <laughs> but, but like, but anyway, um, a year it. ago, I, I I wish I could like tell you exactly how it's happened, but yeah, it's yeah. just it's just like <laughs> a lot of, a lot of luck and a lot of hard work, just like anything, I guess. So, um, and having the right people see your stuff at the right time and sharing it, then you get a bunch of followers of that particular thing. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was just over a year ago where I said to my wife, "Look, like we can't stay here," and my wife was pregnant at the time. I need to like commit to online coaching because I think for the foreseeable future, this is the only way that I'm going to be able to, you know, actually bring money in. So I quit, which was fucking terrifying. Right. Um, I had enough clients to be able to, you know, contribute and start paying the bills. And yeah, it's been ever since the beginning of this year that I've been like a full-time um, online coach. Um, again, like just, it's, it's going really well. I'm super lucky. I work with some great clients I, I do miss in-person training now. Um, it's a very different thing, as I'm sure you're seeing, because um, I know that you are growing as well. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's rewarding. And, yeah, I'm just, like, super lucky to be where I am right now. Yeah, dude. Love love long story short. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I, Thanks, uh, man. I started to see your posts before, before I even, like, really met you or we talked at all. Mm. I think maybe – maybe like a year or two ago, I started seeing your, just your simple like uh, infographics and things like that being shared. And, uh, and awesome. they were, yeah, they were all good content, you know? And, and I think at that time your account was a lot smaller and then, yeah. and then now yeah. like I see your reels, like every time I come on Instagram, your reels pop up and I'm like, this guy's killing it. So I haven't posted a reel in weeks, um, but like I'm still getting people like see them. I've got no idea how the algorithm works. I guess it's a sign that I need to do more reels. Um, but as I'm sure you can tell, I'm like, I've been heavily influenced by people like Jordan Syatt and Kim Schlag and Susan Niebuhr. Like I think those guys are awesome. And yeah. that's basically how I modeled myself when I first started trying to, to build my Instagram page. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just a testament to, you know, if you want to build anything, it's like, look at the experts that have already done it precisely and, and see what they do and how you can put your own spin and your own voice into, mm. into, and, you know, make it resonate with your people. Cause For sure. the people that you attract are going to be different from the people that I attract and mm. it's all just slightly different wording. Right. But, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, your personality does come through. Yeah, for sure. Whether you want it to or not, it's going to come through. Sure. And I think yeah. one of the hardest parts is getting that personality to come through in in writing, like with when you write, because it's easy with right. video. With video yeah. for me, it's easy. I'm like, I hop on a video. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jeff. Like, that's easy for me. But with writing, that is a new skill that I had to learn when the pandemic hit is like, I have to learn how to write. Interesting. Have my personality come out more. Yeah, you see, 
I'm the opposite with video. With like with talking to a camera, I freeze. I freeze. I'm I'm fine speaking to somebody, like speaking to somebody like you right now, or like uh-huh. having a conversation with like another um like a former colleague on like an IGTV or on IG Live now. Um, but like not speaking to anybody, just talking to my phone still <laughs> feels really weird. I just can't yeah. figure it out. And yeah. you're right about writing. Writing's it's really fucking hard mm-hmm. to convey complex ideas in a simple digestible way it's really fucking hard yeah. and you're right it's a skill that you have to work really hard on yeah yeah and and you know sp- speaking of jordan i look mm. at his content and even his just short captions on instagram i'm like this guy knows exactly how to put his personality yeah into writing like you can hear his voice when you read his captions and you're like he's Man, the goat Man, that he is, is the just, goat for that's, sure. That's literally like over a decade worth of him writing articles and really working yes. on that stuff. So for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Think, like practicing yeah. both the skill of writing plus the skill of being a coach and learning about nutrition and fitness and combining all of those things. And you get the result like one or two like brief paragraphs um that like you or I would probably need like seven or eight paragraphs yes. to convey the same kind of yes. information, right? Right. It's like, okay, yeah, this guy just said everything I was thinking in like two paragraphs that would have taken me a whole article to write. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so, yeah. It's exactly. Just, it's very concise, straight to the point. And yep. honestly, that's why I like Twitter so much because Twitter, it forces you to get out all of your thoughts into a very concise format. For sure. And I've heard him talk about this too. It's like he'll spend 30 minutes on one Twitter caption. I'm like, what? 30 minutes. Yeah. Like changing where the word and is or where you put the comma or even see it. That's so things that are that small can really affect how, how people digest it and actually take it in for sure. Like every current counts with that thing. Yeah. It matters. It matters. Yeah. So with like taking that and applying it to fitness, Mm. taking something like uh, Twitter and like how, how every character matters. Sure. How does that relate to fitness? Like, like when you mm. when you put the daily pieces into your, let's say, fat loss puzzle. Like, how does that relate? Like, if if one piece of the puzzle is off, you know, does that affect your results? You know, what do you tell your clients? Like, how consistent do they need to be with these daily habits? For sure, that's a great question. So. I feel like there are a couple of questions there. You've got like the consistency, you've got like what to actually focus on. Um, so like, yeah, that consistency by definition isn't being perfect. Mm-hmm. Like consistency is just doing most of the habits most of the time. Like if you want to put a number on it, like 80% of the time or so. So as long as on 80% of the days you can say like I checked off like all of my habits or on the other way around, like I can, I'm checking off 80% of my habits every day, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, that's going to get your results. Like, I don't know what kind of numbers you you give to your clients, but you know, I tend to recommend around 7,000 steps minimum to my clients. That seems to be a very achievable step count, even for the people with jobs and kids and pets. Um, 
So, you know, if you're getting like six and a half on one day and you're getting like 7,000 all the other days, yeah, that's great. If there's a day where you just basically sit all day and like you're getting 7,000 the other days, yeah, that's great. But if you're like consistently coming in like under 7,000 and getting five and a half, one day, six, then you get a seven, another five and a six, you know, then maybe, you know, we need to maybe think about what can we do to increase that consistency? Because to me, that would only be like a, 30 or 40% consistency a week mm. where you're just hitting your steps twice. Like what can we do to get you up to 80% consistency, which is at least five days per week realistically. Right. Um, so that's, that's like the way I speak to my clients and like, you know, the whole calorie deficit thing, if you're trying to lose weight, like you don't have to be in a deficit every single day. You can go up on one day, maybe even two days, you know, also, you know, making sure that you do keep on up with the, the tracking habits, because if you're in a deficit for five days and you and then you're not for two, like it's easy to eat so much more than you need on those two days that you're undoing the work that you did for the other five days. It's, it's really easy. Totally. Um, and and yeah, so then when you think about like, okay, so what are the things to actually focus on? Like, what are those, like, where should the focus be, more or less? Like, for me, the foundational habit is sleep. Like, that's the absolute foundational habit. Because if you're consistently tired, it's going to make making the best decisions for those awake hours like, really fucking hard. Like, way harder than they otherwise, like, would be. Um, and you know, I get it. If you have a young kid or kids, um, then yeah, like sleep's not going to be the best, but you can optimize what you can get still to make it easier to make those decisions during the day. Um, but if you're like consistently just on Instagram or YouTube until midnight, 1am, 2am, <laughs> like you have to take a step back and like think, yeah, okay, this is completely on me. I can now choose to yeah. stop doing this. Like yeah. some things are in your power, like the latter case. Whereas, you know, if you have kids, like especially like young kids or like a new baby, um, like I do, my baby is five months now. Right now, my wife is taking care of most of the nighttime stuff because she's like not taking a bottle. So frankly, I can't do a fucking thing in the middle of the night. I literally, I would be useless. <laughs> but as soon as she starts taking a bottle, then yeah, my sleep is going to suffer more. So I'm going to have to adjust my training, my nutrition and anything else. Um, but yeah, a ton of stuff is in your power to change. And my, I guess our job as a coach is to help our clients focus on, well, first of all, what is in your power? And then what are going to be the most simple and um, stress-free ways of doing so? I love that, man. And I love the prioritization of sleep and the quality of that sleep. Let's go into that a little bit more. Sure. Um, so how, so let's say someone's sleep is like, like they send a check-in form and their sleep, you have like a sliding scale, one to 10. Yep. How was your mm -hmm. sleep this week? Or how was your sleep quality this week? Because yes, I ask both those questions, by the exactly. way. How many hours and then what's the quality for sure? Exactly, because you can get 10 hours of sleep, but if it's low quality sleep, you're going to feel like you didn't exactly. sleep much at all. So, mm -hmm. so if somebody's sleep quality is like a 4 out of 10, mm -hmm. which to me is like, man, that's that's struggle bus. Yeah. Um, what, what can someone, what actions can someone take to improve that sleep quality? Mm, that's a great question. So the what my immediate question is, 
when somebody tells you they got like seven-ish, eight hours sleep, but the quality is bad. I ask them, okay, what do the 60 minutes before you fall asleep look like? That's my immediate question. Um, if you're on your phone, and you're watching TV and like you're even like, let's say you're, you're in bed just browsing Instagram, like you're not sitting yourself up for a good night's sleep. Um, so we have like, we have a couple of different like um, nervous systems. So we have the parasympathetic nervous system and we have the sympathetic nervous system. Um, so the parasympathetic is the, the, you know, the rest and digest one the one that helps you relax, basically. Sympathetic is that, like, the stressful one, the, the fight or flight kind of system. And so if you're taking in a bunch of information, whether you're um, on Instagram or watching video clips or whatever, um, that is kind of like, you know, it's making your brain, like, think. It's making it a little bit excited. It's, it's getting you fired up for stuff which is kind of the opposite kind of thing that you want to be doing immediately before you go to sleep. You want to be telling your brain like, okay, everything's good out here. We want to fall asleep and we want to stay asleep because things are safe. Um, so if you're watching like, let's say come some kind of like dramatic TV show where you're seeing scenes of um, whatever kind of thing is causing like that particular person stress, you're going to be feeling that stress too. And your brain can't really differentiate between somebody else feeling that stress and you feeling that stress. And so your brain is not going to want to go to sleep because it thinks, yeah, maybe right now isn't, isn't quite safe enough to fall asleep. So even if you do manage to fall asleep, you're going to wake up. I mean, you're not going to go into a very deep sleep because your brain is going to think, okay, maybe we should at least like stay alert and not get too deep into a <laughs> sleep just in case something happens. Yeah. So that's my very first question. What okay. is happening in the 60 minutes before bed? And if they are doing things like that, like checking, like writing emails or doing work, any kind of stress, we think, okay, well, let's, if we can't stop doing those things, can we at least take five to 10 minutes before you intend to fall asleep where you're doing some kind of deep breathing or meditation? Mm. Because if you think about it, when you're deeply breathing, there is no danger. Because if in a dangerous situation, you're not going to be able to breathe deeply, you're going to be up, you're going to be shallow breathing, you're going to be like breathing quickly, your heart rate's going to be up. So if you can kind of like hack your brain into, into it thinking that, yeah, like everything's safe right here, deep breathing and meditation are very, very simple ways of doing so. And so when you do fall asleep, um, the quality of that sleep is more likely going to be a better quality. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I love that. I need to implement some of that myself. Um, For sure. I I have never had issues with sleep uh, mm. my entire life. I've pretty much been a really, really good sleeper. Mm. Um, the last, I want to say, few weeks, it's been I've just woken up around like 3 a.m. For no Interesting. reason. Interesting. Right. Huh. And I, I haven't made any changes to my uh, to my nighttime routine and I haven't made much changes at all. And I'm pretty mindful about, you know, getting out in the sun when the sun comes sure. out, trying to regulate my circadian rhythm, all of that. The one thing I have been doing, though, is I have been watching YouTube before bed. Mm. And I use a blue light blocker on my yep. my laptop, right? So I'm like, sure. I'm like, man, this used to work. I, and, and this used to work for me. And now all of a sudden... 
my sleep habits have changed for whatever reason. Mm. And I'm finding myself waking up at 3 a.m. And it is a, it is impacting my training. It's, yep. imp- it's impacting my mental clarity. It's impacting my food choices. Mm. I'm in a fat loss phase right now and it's, it's impacting me. And so I'm trying to rein that in. And, and so I'm going to try some deep breathing because I think breath work is vastly underrated and I, I do it yes. in, the, in the morning time. I'll do it to kind of start my day or I'll, yep. I'll take, I'll turn the shower to cold, like not all the way cold, but I'll go like, you know, I'll go <laughs> like, cold showers, I'll man. go like halfway cold. <laughs> well, I just started checking out uh, like Wim Hof and stuff like sure. that. And, and if you, if you really get into the breathing, it's so interesting how your body can kind of manage to just block out that cold and and you can mm. just kind of stay in the moment with your breathing. I can't do it very long, but but it is I definitely feel different after I do that. I'm like my dopamine feels like it's like reset a little bit. And there's something good about making yourself do something that you don't really want to do. Yeah. There's definite benefits to that. Yeah. Like life doesn't have to be like one long struggle of like discipline and, and forcing yourself to do these like unpleasant things, but doing right. them every now and then is a good idea. Even something like, you know, if you don't feel like working out, do it anyway. Like yeah. that is like, like imposing a struggle on you and it, sure. it builds character. Yeah. It's, it builds that, uh, it builds that discipline in your mind to do uncomfortable shit because nothing, sure. nothing worth having or achieving is going to require you to be comfortable 100% of the time. Absolutely. And like we see this in like fitness and nutrition, our clients see it in fitness and nutrition. And in particular, you and I see it in like trying to build a business and trying to be um, like independent, like self-employed people, like working exclusively online. That's fucking hard to do, man. Yeah. Really fucking hard. And if, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought, uh, you know, we'd be talking about fitness in front of tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people online. Mm. And like, if you were to do that in person, literally, you wouldn't even be able to talk like you'd be shaking nervously in a oh. room full of 100,000 people, right? But we yeah. get on Instagram, we record a video and it may get 100,000 views or something like that, especially on certain platforms. And then and then we think about that and we're like, whoa, like we don't really grasp how how much uh, maybe we've grown and overcome our fears when it comes to creating content or, you know, maybe it was overcoming fears around, uh, around you know, certain lifts that we we're trying to do or maybe mm. just for some people, maybe overcoming that fear is just going to the gym for the first time and I know how intimidating that can be to some people i've had clients who you know they would not go to the gym unless it was with me and and, you know and i think those are eventually i try to wean them off of me i'm like you know i want you to go to the gym and just just go and do your warm-up just go and do your stretching and i know what that's like you know like i happen to like i joined a gym today i've not worked out in a gym since before the pandemic um, and I just work it out at home. I've got like kettlebells and dumbbells and like a pillow bar out there. Um, 
but literally like three or four hours ago, I was in a new gym for the first time, just like being shown around and signing up. And I got that little bit of like nerve, like nervous feeling that people tell me about that I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah. And like doing my first workout on Friday, I'm sure I'm going to feel just like a little bit intimidated yeah. being in the new environment. Yeah. It's like this, um, oh, everybody's looking at me and judging me. And it's like, it's like if you, if you know the real, the real psychology behind like, 99% of people, everyone is self-obsessed. Yeah. Everyone is thinking about themselves. <laughs> and, and the, you know, that 1% of people that aren't thinking about themselves, they're maybe not thinking about themselves for the, the five minutes. And then, you know, the rest of the time they're thinking about themselves. It's just yeah. human nature. And I think mm. that's why I love coaching so much because it forces someone who is self-obsessed or always stuck in my own analysis and thinking it forces me to put myself in someone else's shoes and think about how does that person feel how can i help this person and if i was that person what would i Mm. need to hear what would i need to hear if i was that person right yeah like the reality is that no one gives a fuck yeah no one gives a fuck that you're there like no one really cares um but practically that's not what we feel like we're gonna feel terrified if it's our first time at the gym if we're let's say you know in our 30s or 40s and we haven't really ever exercised for the first time we feel like we don't really know what we're doing maybe you know it's that it's their first time following a program that you've put together for that person yeah it's gonna be fucking terrifying of course it is yeah but like no one's gonna laugh and if they do tell the manager and they'll get them thrown out if they do, yeah, it's yeah. just they, yeah. That's they, the fucking, they're, they're that's fucking, fucking dick. They're fucking yeah. terrible people if they laugh yeah. at somebody who's trying to get fit. Yeah, you know, I see that shit on TikTok where I'm like, you know, people are bullying overweight people in the comments, and you know, somebody releases a video. I saw this the other day. This guy was releasing a full day of eating video, and he mm. it was a lot of food, but the guy was yep. clearly like 300 plus pounds, and it's like. People are like, oh, my God, eating all that food. No wonder you're not seeing any progress. And just people being fucking awful in the comments. And I'm just like, yeah, I commented on it. And I was like, dude, all this food looks fucking amazing. And don't listen to any of these people. As long as you are in a calorie deficit, you can eat whatever the fuck you want. Absolutely. And, and just try to include some fruits and veggies in there and some protein and like fuck everybody else. Yeah. What is it about TikTok that makes all of the people who leave comments just suck? Teenage, fucking teenagers, assholes? teenagers. Is it just? Is it just youth? Huh? I think so, man. Yeah, it, okay. it, there's a lot of trolls and teenagers. Like I would imagine, if you actually took a look at all these keyboard warriors and you actually saw what they were doing, it'd probably be like twelve year olds, like in their, yeah. you know in their parents guest bedroom in like a million dollar <laughs> mansion or something like you know like that's what i have to picture anyways because i'm like yeah i can't let like if i have a video that goes viral i will have so many negative comments it's almost like overwhelming and then i think yeah. about you know like the, i'm not making the videos for those people i'm making the videos for the people who are like hey yeah. man thank you this video helped a lot or yeah or the people that see it and I don't even know that, that it helped them, but you never know sure. who you're helping when you're putting yourself out there. That's so true. And my current policy with TikTok, I haven't posted in a while, but when I do, it's 
post and ghost. Like I'm not replying or reading any comments on TikTok. Yeah. Instagram, sure. I'm going to be like replying to comments, stuff like that, because especially my audience, um, like it's just older people and older people just don't act like that online, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, so on TikTok, I'm going to post a video and then I'm gone. Posting ghosts. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my, my comment section on Instagram has been getting more and more positive and yeah. it seems like my comment section on TikTok has been getting more and more <laughs> negative. I'm just like, what the hell is going on? I'm on YouTube, you know, if I get, you know, if I get like, you know, five or 10 comments, they're all super mm. positive. They're all really nice comments. Great. And Instagram's usually like, you know, I don't even get anybody like debating me or challenging me on anything. It's always like really, really kind messages or mm. people talking about their own experience. And I welcome that sort of positivity all the time. But, yeah. you know, on TikTok, it's just like you can tell most of these people aren't even following me. And it's then they're just, oh, they're just like they're looking to get a rise <laughs> out of you. And they want they want you to reply to the comment with a For video sure. or something. You know, they want yeah. you to get mad. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Daniel, what are hmm. what are some tips that you have for the holidays and, and somebody who's dieting through the holidays? Because I know hmm. this has been like every single fitness coach in the fucking world seems like they've been posting about Thanksgiving, uh, <laughs> myself included. I'm sure you had some posts. Sure, on absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. It's important. And then, and so with Christmas coming up and, and then mm. people traveling and holidays and off of work and off of school, like what are your thoughts about people kind of uh, letting loose this time of year and, and mm. what are your recommendations? So I actually just posted on Instagram about half an hour about this, but like I'll go into it here. Um, so for a lot of people, it's it's actually a very manageable time, especially in the age of COVID. It obviously depends where you are, what country you're in. But a lot of people this year, just like last year, aren't having their usual holiday events. And so, yeah, like on Christmas Day, enjoy it. You know, obviously within reason, don't just treat it as like a food contest day and try to eat <laughs> as many calories as you possibly can. It's probably not the best idea. Right. But it's that's a perfectly acceptable day to go over your maintenance intake even, let's say. Um, now, for a lot of other people who have like, you know, two, three, four events per week even for the next for the next few weeks, like that's like a reality, especially again, if you have kids and then you know, other families are having events and they're inviting your kids and therefore you as well. Um, it's, it's a lot harder. So you can even in that situation still see results because it's not going to be an entire month of just one big party, right? There are going to be plenty of days where you can go and get your steps, where you can go and do a workout, where you can track your calories, eat your protein, eat your fruit and vegetables and finish the day at a deficit. You can, if you want to, calorie cycle so that you can give yourself a buffer on those events. But another like perfectly legit goal for this month could just be to, to maintain. Like that's a legit goal. And people yeah. think of maintaining as like a plateau, but those are two very different things. If you have consciously and deliberately chosen to maintain for a month, 
and at the end of the month you have maintained, then you've made progress. Yeah. You've absolutely made progress. And even with a ton of events, maybe this is a good month to, instead of focusing so much on the outcome, as in like losing X number of pounds, maybe you focus on simple like forming positive habits for this month because there's still plenty of time for you to focus on going for walks. Maybe go and maybe you even join a gym just like I did. Maybe you join a gym and you get comfortable during a month where fucking nobody's going to the gym because no one goes to the gym in December. So if you're not comfortable in the gym, as you know, I mean, you used to be like, or you are like an in-person personal trainer, right? You know how quiet December is. Like nobody goes to the gym in December. So it's a great time to go and get comfortable. You can practice eating more fruit and eating more vegetables. You can practice developing a healthy relationship with food and with exercise. Um, you can practice getting more sleep and trying to fix that habit. So there are still a ton of things for you to work on so that in January, when you don't have these big obstacles every single week, you can crush it. Yeah. Just crush it. So that's what my advice would be like. Yeah, it's like think what is a reality for your particular situation. Yeah. Um, if you think that losing weight this month is just not realistic, and I'm obviously assuming that your doctor hasn't told you to lose weight for any kind of specific medical reason, and we're assuming these are just basically vanity pounds or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with wanting to lose vanity pounds, but um, it's obviously not a medical issue. But yeah, just assuming that. So yeah, maintaining is a good result for this month, especially if you usually gain weight during this month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, most people, most people usually gain, you know, wait during these months and it's because they completely flip the switch off from like yeah oh diet and this is the definition of yo-yo dieting right it's like mm -hmm. oh i'm i'm in like i'm on a 1200 calorie diet you know this part of the year mm -hmm. and then when the holidays roll around i'm completely flip that switch off of like extreme diets to now yeah. it's holiday season baby bring on the apple pie mm -hmm. bring the ham like all that you know i want all that so it it just goes to show you man when people are being so restrictive and they mm -hmm. they, they have this very on and off switch of like i'm either on 100% or i'm off 100% yes yeah it's that that it's like it could be just like binary thinking like it could also be, you know, that Gary V, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah, uh, the marketer, he talks, he talks a lot about how claiming to be a perfectionist is an excuse. Yeah. Because, you know, you're thinking, oh, okay, I don't have the perfect logo or the perfect website. I don't have enough articles up there right now. Yeah. I'm not ready to launch my business. Like, no, no, just fucking launch, just fucking yeah. do something. Um, yeah. Perfectionism. Yeah. Sometimes it's an excuse. And sometimes it's just another way of, of describing that like all or nothing mindset. And weight loss, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. In fact, it sh I don't think it should be all or nothing. Um, I think, first of all, weight loss is 90% mindset, like mm. at least 90% mindset. Mm. Because the shit you have to do is fairly simple. It's, it's not like you have to do any kind of complex math or form these really tough habits. The habits that you have to form are actually fairly simple. And if you take them one at a time, you can like pretty easily build them up over the course of right. a few weeks or a few months. It's just, it's the mindset that's the issue. It's knowing that there is no good food and bad food. It's, it's knowing that you don't have to fucking crush yourself every time you work out. 
It's not be it's it's knowing that if you went over your calorie goal on one day, just get back on track the next day. Don't yep. try and punish yourself or try to undereat. All of these mindset issues are what fuck most people up. Yeah. It's yeah. not the actual doing of like being in a calorie deficit. It's it's the reactions to things like that. It's the reactions to the scale fluctuations. Like if the scale goes up, it's because you're retaining more water than you were yesterday. It's not because you gained any body fat, especially if you're only eating 14 or 1500 calories. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that, uh, in order to gain one pound of fat, someone would need to take in roughly 3,500 calories mm-hmm. above what they already eat. So that's, let's say your maintenance is 2,000. That means you need to eat 5,500 calories in one day just to gain one pound of fat. And that is a lot of fucking food, you know? Like, yeah. And then people worry about when they step on the scale and they've gained three pounds. It's like, 90% of that is going to be water weight, glycogen, yep. and and maybe maybe 5% of that is some, some extra body fat. But but basically, I love what you just talked about because I never I, – I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that, that weight loss is 90% in mental. It's 90% mm-hmm. mental and and yeah. it's mindset and and I've never heard anybody really say that but that is that's a powerful statement and I actually like the more I thought about that I was like damn that's it's true because we know what to do right we know calorie deficit high protein get your steps in strength mm. train we know all that shit we know we need to sleep we for know sure. we know what we need to do and everybody knows what they need to do for the most part but implementing it and getting over these yeah. limiting beliefs these self-limiting mm-hmm. beliefs that we have mm-hmm. from shit from our childhood even like yeah. you know a lot of us grew up um with like parents who were dieting and i know i did both mm-hmm. my parents were dieters and my dad my dad wasn't like he wouldn't claim he was a dieter but i i knew when he was actively trying to lose weight you know he mm. would not eat chicken thighs he'd eat chicken breast and he would be like oh i'm gonna I'm going to have a salad instead of the rice tonight. And I knew when he and was you'd trying. you'd notice those things. So you'd notice those things. I huh? noticed it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was always a dieter. She was always on Weight yeah. Watchers or Jenny Craig or something like that. So mm-hmm. grew up in a dieting household. And then that stuff follows you through your adult life, yeah. you know. And, and so a lot of this stuff it, it absolutely does. It's programmed into us and we don't even know it. But um, un- oh. unraveling that stuff. And- yeah. Mm. And the reason I say it's like it's it's so high in terms of mindset. Like I really do think it's it's at least like if not 90 then at least 80 the very lowest. It's because you can literally spend a morning studying my Instagram page and my blog and you can write down you can come up with your own plan for knowing exactly what to do to lose weight. You know the calculations to make you to do a calorie deficit, you know how many steps to get. You know how many times you your strength train. You can have like an approximate idea of what kind of strength training you should be doing. So like if you don't have those mindset issues, like I'm basically useless to you. But I think that there are so many people who have these mindset issues. And it's not because of anything that they have either done or not done. It's because I think the fitness industry itself fucks up people's mindsets. Um, it talks about like guilt free dessert (laughs) fuck that right fuck that guilt-free dessert bullshit i'm gonna like have some ice cream and i'm gonna fucking enjoy it and they push 
head workouts on you that like because it makes you feel like you're getting crushed and therefore you're going to be more likely to to keep coming back to to that particular class or whatever and and the more that you sweat the greater the work that you feel like you're getting and we know that's bullshit like we know that that in itself will not lead to weight loss Mm -hmm. um there's again like there's nothing wrong with those classes if you go to them for the right reasons Mm -hmm. if you just you enjoy sweating you enjoy getting a tough workout if that's a thing that you genuinely enjoy and you like the sense of community you like somebody telling you what to do for an hour when you're working out you can just like turn off and just move for an hour awesome like there are legit reasons to do those classes um it's just that the marketing for them kind of like paints a slightly different picture um and yeah like and i don't know how old you are but i grew up in the 90s and especially for women the the image of like the ideal woman was like super skinny. It was the kind of the, the Kate Moss supermodel image that like is what most people wanted to be. And fortunately that has like changed a lot now. And now it seems that the idea of women lifting weights and growing glutes seems to be like the, the thing that women want to do now, which is obviously like big progress since then. Yeah. But you know, like even if you're in your thirties now, you grew up with that bullshit, like skinny is good kind of thing from the nineties. And it's hard to shake that. And especially when the number on the scale has been like, been like promoted as the most important thing, it's hard to get rid of that thing too. So like when the scale does up from yesterday because you did a tough workout or you got some like you had like worse sleep than usual of course you're gonna be upset yeah yeah it's like what what aerobics was in the 90s that's what like hit cardio classes are today you know like i remember sure. i remember my mom going to aerobics classes and zumba yeah. and now women are going to hit cardio classes and sure it's the same damn thing and oh yeah and so the same exercises that, you know, men are doing in the gym, women should be doing those same exercises too, you know, obviously, mm. you know, whatever your goals are, you know, sure. your training should reflect that. But, you know, women should not only be going to the gym to sweat, you know, and men should not only be going to the gym to try and ego For lift sure. a bunch of weights. So it's, yeah, it's this dichotomy too, where I see a lot of men who are like, no, screw cardio, you know, fuck cardio. I don't want to do cardio. It's like, dude, cardio is amazing. Like if, if you don't have good cardiovascular health, like you're, you're like all cause mortality goes way up and yeah, so it's just good for your health. Right. But like, you don't, you, you don't need to slam the cardio if, if your goal is fat loss, you know, calorie mm. deficit, strength training, getting some steps in, all of that is going yep. to be solid for you but on the other side of the spectrum women have a hard most women have a hard time going to the gym and lifting heavy enough to actually see those results so it's a it's a strange dichotomy and a strange time that we live in and i think more coaches like me and you the more we get our messages out there the more you know other good coaches in this space get their messages out there Mm. um, more people are going to be on the same page Absolutely, yeah. And I think Jordan Syatt has like he's the one who's been leading this for like quite a long time. Um, and I think the rest of us have just basically been heavily influenced by guys like him. I know I have for sure. And yeah, the more people who put out the kind of message that we're all putting out, I think the better. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Sure. Well, Daniel, I think we're we're close to our time here, man. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on. That that hour flew by very quickly. We had some Absolutely. good conversations, and uh, My pleasure. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. 
Cool. So I am on um, basically any social media that you can think of. And my handle is always Rosentrain, R-O-S-E-N-T-R-A-I-N. Website, rosentrain.com. Um, yeah, just come and um, say hi. Love it. I'll link his Instagram down below. And Daniel, man, it was great talking to you. And I will talk to you in the DMs, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. If I ever get around to launching my own podcast, hopefully you'll be able to come online. (laughs) Sounds good, man. All right, bye. Awesome. Take care.